Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the week we've been waiting for since last April. The Columbus Blue Jackets are in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and all they have to do is beat one of the best teams ever assembled. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's playoff time, and we're going to break down the first round series between the CBJ and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Joining us for this episode, we've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hello. We've got Eric Seeds. Hey there. Hey boys, it's finally here. It's playoff time. There is a buzz in the air mixed with a fair amount of apprehension and fear because Tampa Bay, as we all know, one of the best teams to play ever in the regular season that we've just seen. And the Jackets drew them first. So what's the the mood? How are we feeling right now? All right, I'll be totally honest. I've been trying to get excited since Saturday. I really, really, truly have. And I can't get there. I'm I'm happier than not that the Blue Jackets are in the playoffs. That goes without saying. Making the playoffs was the baseline expectation for this season. Um, we all we all agreed on that even before the season started that the minimum goal was to make the playoffs, and we'll see what happens from there. Unfortunately, the Blue Jackets had that mid-March swoon where they got rocked several times, including twice by the Edmonton Oilers, that have put them in the position where they have to play probably the second best or the best regular season team of all time. So no pressure there. Um, So I'd say my mood is excited, but not expecting much. Yeah. um, I'm excited just because they're in the playoffs. I mean, I guess it's a little subdued just because this could arguably be the best blue jackets roster in terms of their star power and what they have you know, at their disposal, and yet they're going up against pretty much, like you just said, maybe the best team or one of the best teams ever assembled. Um, but, you know, you just kind of throw it out the window, I guess, with game one. Yeah, Tampa will probably, you know, they might win the series, obviously, pretty quickly, but going into game one, who knows? Maybe they steal a game or two. Um, but I'll be looking forward to it up until puck drop and just see how it plays out. And I'm just hoping to see Columbus at least hold their own as much as they can. I'm coming at this from a couple different ways. 
I am very excited for the playoffs and the kind of like dumb puppy energy of they're in it. It's fun. Better to be in it than not. Anything could happen. It's big time hockey. I'm going to go to a game, that kind of thing. Like that excitement, I know they're not going to win a series. I know that. But I'm also struggling with the whataboutism of they could have won this game. They had the no-shows against Edmonton, the early season swoon against Chicago, that kind of thing that we talked about. See, as you mentioned it offline, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I can't get behind that right now for me just because look, another point. Yeah. And they're playing Washington, which who knows how that would go. They got 98 points. This is the second best season they've ever done. I mean, you put them in the West and they would have been gangbusters. Right. So I kind of can't like, yes, getting a point here, a point there would have changed the calculus of a ton heading into this playoffs, but I can't get behind that just because it was a really good season on the whole. It sure as, it sure as hell didn't feel like it. And that's the other part of this. I think this year was such a slog at times and it was not great fun to watch with the last like couple of weeks accepted. It's how it felt at least. And so the fact that that, that ride is over, the regular season is behind us and now it's playoff time and this is what they worked for. It would have been a catastrophe. It would have been an unmitigated disaster had they done what they did the deadline and not made it in. So the fact that they're here, I don't think that's not to say that there is happy to be here. Cause I don't think that's true of the team. And I don't feel that way either. I just think it's for me, just kind of dumb optimism. That That's kind of where I am with all of this. And then of course, tempered by Tampa is going to run Columbus out of the rink. That is, is in terms of like the smart part of my brain, I don't let that take over too often, but that's what I'm, what I'm, where I'm at right now. I would agree on it's hard. It's hard to think about some of the missed opportunities that they had early in the season and wonder what if maybe they were playing Washington or maybe they had been able to jump Pittsburgh to and were playing the Islanders instead. It's hard to think about that, but at the same time, every team drops points at some point throughout the regular season, and this is the card the guys were dealt with. As you mentioned, this is the most talented roster the Blue Jackets have ever had, and I'm going to try and be optimistic here a little later on the podcast, so I'll get into it more a little later on why I think the Jackets might have maybe not a fighting chance in this series, but a chance to make Tampa Bay uncomfortable, which is, I think, should be the goal. And... If Columbus can show out, play well, steal a game, win a game in Nationwide Arena, give those fans in that building something to cheer for, considering they did not do that last week in uh, the Boston game, uh, the final home game of the regular season, that could go a long way not only towards helping the fan base understand, yes, we ran into this absolute juggernaut, but... It could show a lot of it could show a lot to some of the unrestricted free agents. I'm looking at Ryan Dezingle and mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, mm-hmm. seeing this is what a playoff atmosphere in the city is like. And under some sort, if you guys had been here the whole season, if you guys come back next year, we have some more talent. You know, we're gonna have a full season of Alex Texier because that kid's on fire. I want to um, talk about him later for sure. Yeah, yeah. If we if we can show the uh, those guys what we have to offer in a playoff setting, maybe it might entice them to come back. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to at the playoffs. And of course, you know, I'm going to a game as well. I'm going to be there at game three. It's going to be exciting as hell. And I know I'm going to be amped up all day. So hmm. there's, there's, hmm. there's not, a, there's, 
not a lot of hope, but you know, just a fool's hope. There is there is this. Um, obviously, I mean, a president. The, the whole president's trophy uh, curse aside, and all that. Um, there are the 2010 Capitals who won the president's trophy and got upset by the Canadians. Then there's the whole Tampa Bay Lightning winning the uh, 62 games, tying the NHL mark that the 95-96 Red Wings had. And I believe the 76-77 Canadians, they had 60 wins. But I don't think either of those teams won the Stanley Cup. Of course, that's getting to the finals, and Tampa Bay will probably at least get out of the first round. But like I said, those the, the 2010 Capitals didn't. And the uh, 2012 LA Kings, of course... The eight seed pulled off the uh, entire stunner in the NHL playoffs. So, yeah, you could be cliche and say it's one game at a time, anything is possible. But that Columbus just has to at least try to steal one of these road games, go back home for game three, and try to jump on them. Well, for the optimist take, we have just been joined by Pale Dragon, who wrote a piece for the canon about why he's excited for the series, the optimist take, because there has not been a ton of that from the three of us so far. A little bit, but with but with some expectation setting. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, it's playoffs, and playoff hockey's great, and um, Seeds have made a good point several times over the last few days about, um, you know, just playoffs isn't good enough. You know, we had higher expectations coming into the season. You know, we wanted this team to advance in the playoffs. Just getting in was not enough anymore. And that's, he's not wrong, but I still think, Playoffs is better than no playoffs. So, so to start, let's just enjoy. It. And and you know we've had ups and downs in the season. And considering how what you know two weeks ago, we thought it was very realistic that they would miss. So the fact that they did what they needed to do to get in, that's a good thing. We can enjoy that. Playoff hockey's fun. Let's enjoy that part of it. I think the games will be good. Obviously, Tampa's a high quality opponent. Uh, I think if you have friends or family that you want to get into hockey, get them to watch this series because Tampa is playing a very elite level of hockey and a very entertaining style of hockey. Um, and then I, I think, though, that the Jacks can be competitive. I don't think they're going to win the series. I think they could win the series. Uh, and I think, at the very least, they'll make it competitive because this is a good team. They're playing well, and if some things go their way, uh, I think they can make this interesting. So that kind of reminds me what Torch said in his press conference on Monday, which was, this team always finds a way. They find a way to win games, whether it's defense, goaltending, offense, whatever they need at that particular time, enough to make the goal of getting the playoffs. So his larger point was that, yes, Tampa is very talented, but... These Columbus Blue Jackets have found ways to win and found ways to get the job done. So in that optimist sense, I can totally see where that's coming from. I totally get that. And something that Gary Galley said on the Ottawa broadcast, I was watching the, the broadcast from Sportsnet on Saturday night, and he made the argument that Columbus has technically been in playoff mode for the past couple weeks, and they've had to fight and battle and play desperate hard-nosed hockey just to get in and his contention was hey maybe they're already in playoff mode maybe they already know what it takes and are mentally there whereas somebody like Tampa who clinched you know three months ago 
really isn't. And and this is all kind of grasping at straws a little bit, but you know, we're a couple of days out of the it's not it's not down two games yet. We can be optimistic. So that's kind of speaking to your point, I think, a little bit, those those two pieces. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's reasons to be optimistic and hope. Um maybe I guess I kind of I kind I'm going to kind of dovetail into what it's going to take for Columbus to remain competitive in this series but uh to go along with that yeah the Blue Jackets have been in playoff mode and there was an interview I heard Steven Stamkos do a couple weeks ago where the Lightning beat some also ran and someone asked Stamkos it was like you know hey you guys played a great game tonight and Stamkos said yeah this game meant literally nothing so hmm. while while the Jackets have uh, been playing in playoff mode for the last three weeks. The Lightning have kind of been on cruise control. They've been resting guys. So maybe the fact that the Jackets are coming in, coming into game one with a little more urgency only because they've had to have that urgency, that could give them a little bit of an adrenaline boost and kind of let them jump out on the forefront on the Lightning, which would be a huge, huge way to start this series. Can I give the realist response to that? <laughs> so if we can flip roles here a bit. Uh, I, I was thinking about that today, about how, yeah, the Tampa has been it clinched a long time ago, even clinched the number one seed a long time ago. So they've been maybe coasting in the playoffs, and that could that could set them back while the Jackets have been in playoff mode, so they're more, they're more ready. And certainly we've seen how the Jackets in the last couple of years, you know, have let the foot off the gas late in the season once they knew that they were in. Um, on the other hand... Uh, this Tampa team is different than those past Columbus teams because uh, they've been there before. They were they were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Uh, it was what three seasons ago that they were in it against Pittsburgh. They've uh, you know they were in a Cup final uh, against Chicago. So the core of this roster for Tampa, they know what it takes to get deep. So I think that they're going to know how to flip that switch. Just like we've seen the, the Penguins, they knew when to flip the switch come playoff time. So I don't think we can count on Tampa coming in just uh, you know, sort of coasting in and think they're going to take it easy. I think they know what it's going to take to get it done. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I do think that obviously Tampa Bay can switch that or turn that switch on. But I, I think kind of speaking to the optimism aspect real fast, that's why Columbus has to start fast. They have to kind of jump on Tampa, try to get the early goal, somehow maybe, you know, take the crowd out of it. I mean, it's probably a tall order as it is, but that's why the guys still game one if they're going to have a chance or at least still one of these road games and then try to do the same thing at home. But obviously trying to contain a team as good as Tampa is, historically good, is obviously something that you you have to play a full 60 in. With Columbus in the past, especially against Pittsburgh in the playoffs or the regular season, we see Columbus start these games fast. They look, you know, ready to roll. And then whether it's a penalty or something that gets the other team back in it or they just can't play a full 60, that's the true test for Columbus, whether, you know, whether it's the mental aspect or even just being able to, to hang with Tampa for a full 60 minutes. So, that's it's for the jackets. It's 
And I think also one last thing I was just thinking about is I think Adam McQuaid represents the only Blue Jacket on the roster with the Stanley Cup back when he was with the Bruins in 2011. Tampa Bay has tons of playoff experience among their players. So many games, um, almost like a full season's worth for a lot of these guys. So, or at least some of these defensive players like Girardi, Ryan McDonough. Um, it's, it's just the depth they have. It's just incredible. I do want to make one more point about this with respect to the jackets. I do think, and I said this on, on maybe last week or two weeks ago, at least this core for the, the jackets will not take any sort of early success lightly ever again. And I think that I think the past couple of years, I'm thinking like Jones and Warinsky and Atkinson, they were up to, I mean, famously, they were up two games to nothing. It's Washington going home with, you know, two games in their pocket and they blow it. I, I do think this team is probably more mentally ready than any other Jackets team in franchise history. And that's not just because they made it for the third straight year, but they have seen some horrors in the playoffs. Game three against Pittsburgh last year, game six. I mean, this team has, even though they have not played a lot of playoff games, they have kind of been to the bottom of the playoffs. So I, I'm taking a little bit of solace and heart in that, that even if they do go up a game or get a big lead early or whatever, they are not going to take their foot off the gas or have any kind of good feelings about it, which I think is is kind of what it takes to, to win a series and especially win a series against a team as good as Tampa. Well, And that's why that's another reason why it's important that they are in the playoffs because mm-hmm. it's just, again, more experience for these guys uh, in the whole aspect of getting back to the playoffs year after year after year. So they're learning what it takes to get to the playoffs, you know, so maybe next year they'll take those mid season games more importantly, because every single one of those points matters. Uh, and it also, like you said, they've learned these lessons from the last two years and it gives them a chance right away to be applying those lessons. So, and I'm excited to see if, if any of that comes to fruition, that they actually have learned something <laughs> and, uh, and know how to perform differently this time. So Seeds, you kind of touched on it if you were you were moving forward to what's it gonna take to win this series. And I think the general consensus, I don't want to speak for everybody, but certainly what I've read and thought about and talked to people, it's it's going through Bob, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's gonna be three things that it's gonna take. The first and foremost is it's gonna have to everything is going to run through Sergei Bobrovsky. Vezina Bob has to show up and steal games in this series, or Columbus is dead on arrival. I don't think that is I don't think that is controversial. I think that is absolutely non-negotiable. There's no way Columbus survives in this series more than 4 games if Bob plays in the playoffs like he has in the past. Um Bob has shown uh f- he's played well down the stretch here. I want to say he's like a 930 save percentage since the All-Star break, which is absolutely insane and he absolutely can play to that level in the playoffs. It's just whether or not he does. He has not in the past, but there's no time like the present. The second thing I'm going to say the Jackets need to do to win in the playoffs would be um, scoring depth needs to show up. Um, I was listening to a different podcast earlier today, the Hockey PDO cast with uh, Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, he said that not only do we have six of the top 45 uh, 5-on-5 scorers in the league this year, including the two we brought over from Ottawa, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle, um, 
but we're also one of the mo- more disciplined teams with the fewest uh, penalties taken at five on five. Those two stats are extraordinarily key. Um, the Jackets are going to have to get scoring from throughout their lineup to compete with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, they're going to have to stay out of the box because the Lightnings have the best penalty kill in the league. And they score at twice the rate the Blue Jackets do. The other, the other uh, thing that the Jackets are going to have to do to stay competitive in this series, and I cannot believe I'm going to say this, is I think the Jackets need to lean on their physical game and uh, force the Lightning into the corners and play, play a tough, hard-nosed physical game. That's where the Lightning have been, Lightning have been vulnerable this season. They've uh, the the only team to beat the Lightning in regulation more than once this season was the Nashville Predators, and the Predators also play that hard nosed physical style. If the Jackets can, if if I was John Tortorella, I'm throwing tape of those Nashville games in and saying this is what you guys need to do to beat this team. Um, again, I'm not saying that you know, a combination of all that wins this series. It's going to take a lot to beat the lightning, but I think the Jackets could give them a real fight if they can play to their potential in that way. So without a doubt, um, I think that obviously for Columbus, like when you look at Columbus against Tampa, I mean, you really like Columbus's when they're playing to their potential, you like their talent. I mean, Cam Atkinson, Panarin, Dubois, Duchesne, I mean, they have a very lethal type of forward group as long as they're playing to their potential like we can see them do when they score five goals a game almost like two weeks ago now. Um, when, they're, when they're clicking, they are really hard against any team. But obviously, I think the, the probably the main X factor for Columbus obviously has got to be the goaltender because we need to see Bobrovsky be Vezina Bob, which has been mentioned, but it's true because... Are we going to see the nine shutout Sergei Bobrovsky on the season or the playoff Bobrovsky, which while he wasn't terrible last playoffs, he still gives up three goals a game every playoff game at least. So if Columbus is going to have a chance, let alone in the series, at least one or two games, he has got to stop just about every shot, whether he gives up two goals or less, that's going to give Columbus a chance. So Bobrovsky has got to be Vezina Bob pretty much every game. Um, and also kind of talking about the physicality that Seeds mentioned, I agree. I know that some of you, you know, some of those may not think that physicality uh, or I guess the physical uh, aspect of the game is quite what it was. And, you know, if you're going to win games, especially, I mean, I, I think though, if you're going to win games, especially in the playoffs, that the physicality still definitely has a place. And that's kind of why I was looking at a guy like Adam McQuaid when they got him at the deadline, because a lot of people weren't thinking McQuaid was going to be much of an acquisition and he may not even play now anyway with the injury, but he was a guy that I thought could be one of those under the radar type guys as far as he has playoff experience and possibly has an edge to him, which we've seen. We've seen him play with an edge to his game and we're going to have to see, you know, Dubinsky when he's out there for all the bad that might come with him, you know, he's not going to to back down and Dubois, of course, will bring that to his game. But um, Columbus is definitely going to have to kind of get, uh, I guess, kind of gritty. And obviously, they're going to have to do what they can with their skill set offensively. And but I do think that they could try to muck up Tampa's game uh, with a little bit of a grinding edge to it. I love the way that Torts has been using Dubinsky lately. What was it? Was it the New York game? where he did not take an offensive zone start. 
he's just constant. All he's doing is playing the defensive zone and winning faceoffs. And he's actually been very good at faceoffs. It was the Rangers game where he won uh, 16 and lost three. And then the New York Islanders earlier was like 10 and three. So, I mean, that's not saying he's out there every night, a beast on the faceoff circle, but it's funny to see. I don't know if funny is the word. To see how his his zone starts are completely inverse of, of you know anybody else. It's kind of yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Brandon Dubinsky being in the lineup right now. I mean, obviously he's going to play in game one. At least I would assume he had a maintenance day today or on Monday. They will practice again in Tampa Bay on Tuesday. But if that line struggles, Brandon Dubinsky is the uh, the first guy I would yank out of there. Um, I read a stat earlier today that he is the worst um, uh, goals for player in the NHL playoffs this season. He's been on the ice for something like 11% goals for on the season. So I think, you know, a line with Riley Nash and Alex Texier could be bolstered by someone like an Alex Winberg if the Blue Jackets come out struggling in game one or the fourth line gets absolutely caved in and Torts is forced to play them maybe five minutes a night. Um, I get his face-off value and all that, but sometimes I, I, I don't think this – I, I want to be clear, I do like Brandon Dubinsky. I, liked him, I like him a lot as a person, and I liked him a lot when he came here and his give-a-damn was extraordinarily high. But – I just don't think a, a matchup against the Lightning where speed is at a premium is the series for Dubinsky. Against Boston in the next round, if they if the Blue Jackets somehow advance, sure, Brandon Dubinsky fits fine. But I just don't know about right now. Yeah, I don't I don't see how you can put Dubinsky in the lineup over Alexander Winberg in this matchup. Uh, because again, yeah, he's he's just too slow at this point in his career. And you can't afford that against a team that is as universally fast as Tampa is. Uh, and for the the whole thing, oh, he, you know, he's great at faceoffs. I don't think that alone is enough to put him in there, especially if then he's going to be playing what maybe five to eight minutes a game, uh, because he's not the only faceoff guy in the team. Boone Jenner and Matt Duchesne are as good or better than Dubinsky at faceoffs this year. And each of those guys can do a lot more. And there's really not much else that Dubinsky can do at this point besides win faceoffs. Whereas with a guy like Winberg, uh, you know, he's strong defensively. He's one of the best penalty killers. I still think he's an elite passer. Uh, I think he is a luxury to have in a fourth line role. And then if someone gets hurt or whatever, uh, he can move up a line as need be. Um, uh, and I, I think the fourth line will probably be not Texier on the fourth line, but Jenner, Dubinsky, and Nash. I would like to see that line we saw against Ottawa of Texier, Felino, and Bjorkstrand. I think that's a really, really good third line. I'd be excited to see that continue to go. But if you put Wenberg in there, you, you can you can reunite some lines that have had success. Um, so we we rip on the the Torts line blender, but. I think we've seen enough different lines this year that if we need to mix things up, we can do that more effectively than we did last year. We can reunite, uh, you know, Wenberg, Jenner, and Bjorkstrand. We can reunite Felino, Jenner, and Anderson. You know, you can basically f- flip the centers between lines. You know, as long as you keep together Panarin and Atkinson, 
Bazingle and Anderson, Texier and Bjorkstrand, then it really doesn't matter who's in the middle because I think all of those wing sets are clicking. I do want to point out I was not advocating for I was not advocating for Dubinsky to necessarily play. I just it's interesting to see his journey to where now he is, at least in that New York game, just so sheltered with his minutes and starts. Um, and and I'm, I'm curious as to how that's going to translate. But I do want to talk about something all of you mentioned, which is Alexandre Texier. Can I make one last point on Brandon Dubinsky? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I want to give him credit. I'm, I'm trying to give him credit here. Um, I want to give Dubinsky credit for accepting a lesser role on the team because there's a lot of veterans where that might not have gone over well at all. And Brandon Dubinsky has been a consummate pro this season, accepted his lesser role, seen his minutes decrease, his point production decrease, and still showed up to the rink and worked hard every night, no matter how many shifts he was given. I want to just give Brandon Dubinsky credit for the job he has done this season and the role he has been asked to play on this team. And I do want to point out, before we talk about Texier, the Blue Jackets will not be starting Jack Johnson in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, thank God. (laughs) That might might be a win. That might be worth a win right there. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. But Alexandre Texier, I didn't expect much from him. But not only has he shown up, he's going to play in the playoffs. He scored our only rookie goal that we had all season, um, breaking breaking a record or breaking a streak that would have made the Jackets the first team in like ten years to go the entire season without a rookie scoring. Um, Texier has been an absolute re- uh, revelation here down the stretch. Um, when Elaine was on the podcast here a few weeks ago, she said. Um, Texier was going to play in the NHL next season. Well, it turns out uh, next season came a little bit early. Uh, I, ha- I have no complaints about Alex Texier thus far. He has been everything advertised and more. He makes things happen. He's in the right places. He plays solid defense. He doesn't commit egregious turnovers. He is in correct positions for rebounds, for uh, receiving passes on rushes, and he's always looking up the ice in his, in the defensive zone, trying to make a play. I have no complaints about Alex Texier and I'm excited to see what he does in the playoffs against the lightning. Yeah. So Texier has uh, impressed me a lot. Um, he, he looks, I mean, his poise is incredible. Um, when he was interviewed after the first game, uh, you know, it's one thing, first of all, that his English is quite good. Um, and then to be a 19 year old and so comfortable in front of the media, uh, that was something I also, you don't usually see. And then on the ice, I think there may be a, a little jitters early on, but again, three goal, three shots on goal in his first three shifts is uh, it's pretty good. So he's not shy out there. He's very physical. He's got good size. Uh, so yeah, this is a, a great addition to the team. And I, I think he can be uh, 
certainly an X factor in the series. Not that I'm just quoting Gary Galley ad nauseum, but one thing he said is that line with Felino and Bjorkstrand, Galley said that he likes that a lot for Texier because it's two guys, you have a veteran and a younger guy, but he goes, those are guys that play the right way, that play both ends of the ice, that don't cheat on the puck, that can hit when they need to, guys that are really good to pair up with someone who's playing in the NHL for the first or second time, some guys that will look out for him and make sure that he's got a good idea of the foundation of the team and what they're doing. So I thought that was that was a pretty interesting take for the Ottawa game. Will that stay? I don't know. El Polito made a good point in the comments, which is if you play Felino and Texier and Bjorkstrand together, you're going to limit Bjorkstrand's effectiveness and Bjorkstrand's time on ice because they're going to shelter that line a little bit with a rookie. There's all that that plays into it. I thought that was a pretty salient point. But I'm excited to see him, and I'm excited that there's some new blood, you know, black ace, a, uh, and that's not the true definition of a black ace, but some kind of X factor, like you said, in this series. Yeah, I'm excited about Texier because I think what was awesome about him was the fact that Tortorello was even saying how the guy had no fear in his first game at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers. You know, it's like new, new everything. He's back. He's in the United States. He was in Cleveland, obviously, but coming over to the NHL now and then making his debut and making the impact right away. And we saw that against the, uh, the Senators on, su- on Saturday when he scored his first goal and he had a lot of you know, opportunities the game, in the game against the Rangers. But um, just the fact that he, had, he showed no fear, as Tortorella put it, and he just seemed like a natural right away. So I'm excited to see the kind of impact, and it's sort of similar to uh, Kreider, yeah. Just like Texier, Kreider made his debut, I believe it was like two games right before the playoffs, and of course his career has been great. But, I mean, I'm just saying that Tortorella has had players in which they've made their debuts late in the season and then being able to use them in the playoffs. So I think he could be a really tremendous ass- asset. Yeah, I'm excited too, and I love that 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 hug they did him and Panarin after the game. That was very sweet. Um, I like that a lot. It was. He still looks like he's 12 years old. Texier does. But <laughs> yeah. Series prediction time. We'll go around. Petey, what do you, what do you what do you have for the series? Uh, I'm gonna say bolts in five. Uh, I definitely think the Jackets win at least one game in this series. I think they find a way to keep a few other games uh, competitive. We see maybe a couple overtime games. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun series. I, I just I think Tampa's too good, but uh, I want to see the Jackets make it interesting, and I certainly think they have the talent to do so. All right, Will. I think it will be Tampa in five. I'm hoping Columbus can make it interesting. Maybe it goes six and, hey, maybe seven, but... Uh, I think realistically, I'm going to say five games. I think the Jackets, they're too good to hopefully not get swept. I mean, hopefully they, they don't get swept. I think they're too good for that. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go five five games. All right, five and five. Seeds. Well, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say Tampa Bay in six games. Um, I think Sergei Bobrovsky will steal one. He is playing for a contract, and he'll need to show out in the playoffs. And I think that the Blue Jackets will get enough scoring to keep this series competitive. They will show out. They'll win at least one game at home. But I just I think at the end of the day, the President's Trophy winners bring too much fire. And my other prediction for this series is that Alex Texier grows the worst playoff beard on the roster. I, I think I think Wierenski's going to be a contender <laughs> on that one. Oh, I love it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I... I... 
have Lightning in five just because that makes the most sense. I sure hope the Jackets win at home. That would be great. They would be amazing for this nationwide crowd to see a playoff win at home with, from this group. But I, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm going to reference a piece I wrote way back in November, maybe it was. And this is the last we're going to see of Sergei Bobrovsky. Which, by the way, I thought about this. Let's say the Jackets didn't make the playoffs. The last that the nationwide crowd would have ever seen of Bobrovsky at home was getting yanked in that stinker against Boston. Like, that made me really sad for for a little bit. Luckily, they'll see him again. But, Lord, that would have been a very sad way for him to end his his home career. So, I I don't know. You mentioned the the contract seeds. That's a good point. He is playing for his contract. So, maybe that'll... I mean, I don't think that it has any bearing on how he affected or how he approached last year, but it's something. And at this point, all we got is something. I'm I'm so, reaching for a reason here. You know, the the city is so fun around playoff time, and if they can get a win or two early on, maybe take one of those games in Tampa. I mean, that's going to be such an environment for those for those two home games because Columbus playoff hockey it's it's so fun. Just the atmosphere and the, the the city and the district and the crowd. Seeds, we were talking about about game three that um that Pittsburgh game two years ago where Cam Atkinson scored in the first minute or whatever, and that right. was that that was insane. Right, the city the city loves a winner, and if the Jackets can show up and be competitive, there's no reason or there's no way this city won't get behind them and push that underdog story. The Jackets historically have played well when the pressure's off, and no one thinks they're they're going to uh, win this series. So they've got everything to play for and no weight of the world on their shoulders like they've had through the month of March. They can just go out and play hockey, and who knows what can happen. Well said. All right, final thoughts, boys. Petey, you got a final thought? To, to get back to something we were talking about earlier uh, about playing like a, a gritty game, a physical game, I... I want the team to play aggressive, but I think we want it to not overrate physicality. Uh, I don't want to be chasing the lightning and going for lots of hits because uh, I, I, I don't want to be chasing the puck. I want us to have the puck. Uh, I want to see aggressive more of like a north-south game. I want to see a lot of crashing the net. Basically, I want the entire team to play like Josh Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so hit, hit him hard on the forecheck. Uh, but you know, maintain possession in the neutral zone. Don't give up a lot of breakaways. That's going to make Bob's job a lot easier if we're not putting him in that position. Um, but basically, just get up close, get as many high danger chances against Vasilevsky as we can. That's going to be the way we win the series. Well said, Will. Do you have a final thought? I do, and actually, it's more of a statistic. Um, so well, during kind of my research for this uh, series, I realized that. So basically, the Lightning surrender the seventh fewest goals in the NHL regular season with 221 and per game 2.70. Columbus was 11th in that category, giving up 231 goals and 2.82 a game. But what, what was interesting to me, at least, was Columbus actually, uh, in terms of like shots allowed per game to get to their goaltender, they actually were tied for sixth in the league at giving up just under 30 shots a game, while Tampa Bay was 21st in the league giving up uh, just over 32 shots a game. So it seems simple, but Columbus needs to just shoot the puck all night, every every game in the series, and just try to get something to go in. It's the Carolina way. 
Yeah. And Carolina, you know, finished better than the Jackets. So there you go. Seeds, final thought. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. (laughs) They do say that. My final thought, I want to quote uh, a stat from Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe, on his piece in The Athletic, which was only five teams in the entire league won more games than the Blue Jackets this season. However the series ends, which nobody thinks it will end well, but however the series ends, I'm going to enjoy whatever we see from Artemi Panarin, the rest of his career in Columbus, Bob, you know, Keith Kincaid, that guy, you know, the rest of all all our favorites. I'm just going to enjoy whatever this playoff series brings. I don't think that this was, this was the ideal considering the expectations coming into this year and all in at the deadline. I don't think getting swept or dropping five or even six games to Tampa is the expectation for this going into the year. But now that we've seen this season, we've made it through. This is what we got. I'm just going to, I'm just going to have fun with it. Go jackets. Let's go. Go jackets. Go jackets. All right. That'll do it for us. Our theme music is green eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' moons who, if you missed it, announced the name of their new album titled four 30, check them out at Angela rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, we welcome your comments, questions, feedback, you can tweet at us, CBJ Cannon, comment on jacketscannon.com, and our little player is on the bottom of every post now, so you can't miss the Cannon cast. So check us out however you want to, iTunes, Google Play, or right on the website. From all of us at the Cannon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.